MSW Media. Donald Trump admits that he's trying to defund the Postal Service to prevent us from voting by mail. How can we stop him from rigging the election? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name's Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, the host of The Patty Vasquez Show, who joins us regularly on this podcast. But before I bring in Patty, I want to thank our patrons who brought us this episode. With special thanks to Michelle Dew, Andrew Donnelly, James Frohmeyer, Jay Gelhausen, Jamie and Izzy Gordon, Patrick, Steve Hungsberg, Shana Wachinski, and an anonymous patron. You too can become a patron on our website, ontopicpodcast.com. Just click the support link at the top of the page. So, Patty, I've got to say that this topic of election interference, uh, particularly voter suppression via the Postal Service, is one that has been mounting for a while. And there have been patrons and listeners who've been suggesting this topic for quite some time. And it's something I've been tracking because the evidence has been mounting that uh, Trump, it looks like Trump is installed uh, a, a mega donor in to run the United States Postal Service in order to essentially tamp it down, hinder it, and prevent us from voting by mail. And But I will tell you, Patty, I, I always thought of this as something that looked really fishy but couldn't be proven. But here you go, literally just hours before we record this podcast, Trump goes on national television and admits that that is in fact why he's doing this because he doesn't want vote by mail it's absolutely infuriating well it's not only infuriating i know a lot of our listeners who have reached out you know through your twitter feed and mine as well you know it's infuriating it's it, but i think it's also this uh really overwhelming sense of uh it, is it going to make a difference it doesn't seem and one of your followers again tweeted this it doesn't seem like the rules apply to him that what we the sort of idea of what it means to be a part of democracy doesn't seem to be something that's important to him. And it go, I don't even know what the word is beyond infuriating. It's uh, I mean, I like the word gobsmacked, but that doesn't even seem like it's good enough. Yeah. I mean, the word I, I, I used earlier today when a journalist was reaching out to me was dastardly. Um, I, I don't know how to how to describe it. I did tweet out earlier that this may be the worst thing he's done in his presidency, which is really saying something because he's done some awful things. Uh, and it's really hard to rank them because there's so many awful things. Um, but it's it's really, 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 really bad. I mean, it's something that cuts to the heart of our, our entire system, which is the idea that our elections – determine uh, who our leaders are and that we can re that citizens have a right to vote and to participate. I mean, voter suppression 
is always uh, a bad thing. It's it's been an endemic problem, uh, really, you know, for throughout our history. Uh, but this this is essentially using our tax dollars, using the government, the federal government, the executive branch, to try to prevent people from voting in order to rig the election. It's unbelievable. Well, not only is he trying to prevent people from being able to vote and safely. I mean, that's the thing, too, is I'm seeing today a lot of folks who now are thinking, well, then I absolutely have to vote in person because he is hijacking the United States Postal Service. And and that's frightening. But he also has, as we know, for many uh, weeks now, has also been trying to rile people up that if he doesn't win, that it's not legitimate or if the numbers don't go the way he, he feels they should. And, you know, that might seem innocuous to some people, but we can see evidence of the way he speaks, the way people react in just the entire idea and reaction to having to wear a mask, being asked to wear a mask in order to protect people, we see, you know, frontline workers, employees at stores getting attacked. There was a, a there are these kids that were punched at a, a children's uh, theme park, you know, for Sesame Street because they were, you know, one of the characters asked someone to wear a mask and someone punched that person. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh, there's a lot of terrifying things swirling around right now. And I don't know if you saw the back to school event he did yesterday, and perhaps we can ask our guest about it. Uh, I mean, just this entire disdain for the safety of Americans, and as you mentioned, wanting to delegitimize the process, destabilize democracy, that's really what's at stake here. So all day, journalists have been asking me, how can he get away with this? Is this against the law? Is it a crime? What can we do about it? And it reminds me a lot of the Ukraine episode. And if you remember what happened with the, with the Ukraine episode that was the subject of impeachment, what Trump did is he essentially hijacked our entire foreign policy apparatus to use our foreign policy to induce other countries to help him get reelected, to essentially to try to sway the election in his favor. There was no law against that because no one had ever conceived of a president doing that. There's only one person who could do it. It's the president. And the remedy under our system is impeachment and removal. And we tried that. Here, you know, when it goes to funding the Postal Service, there's no federal – it's not a federal crime to, to reduce funding for the Postal Service, to – Stop, you know, to reorganize the Postal Service, to have a freeze in hiring, to do all of these things that are being done. There's no crime against it. Now, is are there potential laws that could get violated? Maybe, you know, if you're particularly if they're focusing on a particular racial group, if they're discriminating on the basis of race. But generally speaking, our criminal code, our legal code does not contemplate uh, bringing criminal actions against presidents who try to stop people from voting by defunding agencies. And so this is really something for Congress to handle. It's, it's, this is something where Congress has to impeach and remove, or Congress needs to use its own powers of the purse and the powers that it has right now to ensure that we can vote safely. No doubt about it. Yeah. And that's frankly why we have a great guest for this topic. Uh, our guest this week uh, has been a frequent guest uh, on the podcast is Congressman Mike Quigley, and he is the chairman of the uh, subcommittee for appropriations for the United States Postal Service. 
So he is the person who heads up the subcommittee controlling the power of the purse for the post office. And so if somebody can do something about this issue, it's him. And we've talked to him a lot in the past about what's going on in the House Intel Committee. But right now, this is, I guess, I would say this is a threat to our election and our democracy that's that's even could be even greater than the foreign election interference. Yeah, it is daunting. And, and I hope that he has some good answers for everyone, really, for the sake of our future. I hope so. I, I really hope that the answer isn't like, let's just hope that the election goes the right way. <laughs> Uh, because I'll tell you, I think people are sick of hearing that, oh, let's just hope, because we put a lot of hope into this election. I think many of us are working hard. We've had, you know, we think all of us now are trying to do what we can to donate or phone bank. And then to have this happen, oh, my goodness. Uh, so, all right, let's bring in Congressman Mike Quigley. Thanks for joining us, Congressman Quigley. I really appreciate you uh, coming back on the podcast. Glad to be back. Uh, plenty to talk about these days. Yeah, I have to tell you, when this topic of the Postal Service in particular is something that has been growing for some time. I've had listeners and patrons asking me uh, for weeks to cover this topic. They were concerned about it, and I really wasn't sure what to make of it. Uh, there was mounting evidence and in, in cause for concern. But then tr Trump blurted out earlier today the reason that he wants the uh, Postal Service to be defunded is because he doesn't want people voting by mail. I, I, I'm shocked by it. I, I'm curious what your reaction to all of this is. Well, look, this began uh, some time ago with, uh, you know, the president had talked about privatizing the Postal Service. He's never wanted to fund it appropriately. Uh, a lot of assaults which made no sense from a practical political point of view. So let's face it, the areas of this country that are very dependent upon the Postal Service, rural areas, are very uh, Republican and very much president's base. So it's not surprising when we see some of the attacks that have taken place that there is some pushback finally from Republican elected officials. But uh, you're seeing it at all fronts. You referenced the president's over-the-top statement today. But I, I think his assault began some time ago. I mean, um, his most recent appointment in um, late June of the new postmaster general with conflicts of interest and clearly a desire to uh, tank the quality of service at the post office uh, makes you wonder where they're going. And one more example. Uh, the Postal Service has told the states that they're going to need to pay the 55-cent first-class postage to mail ballots to voters rather than the normal 20% bulk rate. Uh, the Chairman Nadler called it a modern-day poll tax and asked uh, that the new Postmaster General resign. But uh, you're just starting to see this war heat up, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, it, it that that last issue is an important one in in essentially what it does is it imposes on states uh a 35 cents instead of 20 cents uh to send uh for example ba ballots or applications to voters uh they have to pay 55 cents so essentially it's over doubling the cost um much more than doubling uh the the cost of uh, of voting by mail for the state. So it's essentially a way for 
uh, for the federal government or the, in this, or the Postal Service to be imposing additional costs on states, making it more costly and difficult for states to engage in po- vote by mail? Yeah, any barrier they can. Uh, and when first, besides denigrating the Postal Service, um, you know, he's made it more difficult to operate. And uh, he's done nothing to help them facilitate this. Uh, uh, obviously, there were financial issues that the post office faced for some time now. Uh, they incurred a, a loss of $9 billion last year, estimates about $11 billion this year, principally because of the increase because of the pandemic. Uh, and the agency is probably going to run out of money by mid-2021. So... Uh, Putting the, the broader perspective, why all this matters, we saw with the debacle, which was the Wisconsin primary, uh, the other examples in the South, uh, Illinois, frankly, wasn't that much better. People shouldn't have to decide, you know, to make a choice between exercising their right to vote and putting their their life at risk, their health at risk. Uh, we saw the long lines that took place, <laughs> people cramped together. Uh, so. What we're hearing when we're briefed on this is that Americans want a choice. They want to be able to vote by mail, and uh, undeterred, we clearly would see, as we already have in primaries, uh, unprecedented requests to vote by mail. Uh, But people want both. So what the 10,000 entities that operate a federal election want us to do is to give them the resources to provide those choices, to provide a safe place for uh, people who run the election and people who want to vote to come in, which would include spacing out more people uh, going to different locations, more time to vote, so they're not all on there on Election Day. Frankly, I was sort of hoping that Election Day would have a minor turnout because everybody had voted early. Uh, And that's the trend. You know, there are five states that it is the primary way that people have come to vote. They vote by mail. Uh, And it's a safe, effective way. And again, despite what the president has said, there is uh, almost no evidence of fraud relating to this. And uh, I'll I'll quote uh, the president's own people. Uh, Senator Thune said, I don't want to discourage. I think we want to assure people it's going to work. It's secure. If they vote that way, it's going to count. Right. The Republican from South Dakota. Mitt Romney said some of the same things. Deb Fisher. um, She says, I think it's fine. It worked well in Nebraska. Uh, We had tremendous turnout in the primary. No issues that I've heard of from our secretary of state. Roy Blunt, a Republican from Montana, said he's supportive of states expanding mail-in voting. Uh, Senator Corn said the same thing. Uh, Capito. Barrasso. And and by the way, when it comes to voting by mail, uh, none other than the president of the United States has voted by mail and 16 other members of his administration, not including his family. Yeah. You know, I I, one thing that I think is useful to provide some context here is the the United States Postal Service is not uh, an agency like, for example, the J- Department of Justice or the Department of Defense. It, it, it's it, it's of a different character. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that, Congressman? Sure. It's it's independent, uh, uh, independently funding. That doesn't mean it doesn't get 
some assistance. Um, I am one of the committees that is involved with that on the appropriations level and uh, and therefore on the oversight level. Uh, it is why you know the previous three, the last three uh, postmaster generals would come and sit with me and talk about the everyday issues and problems we have across the country, but including my district of mail service. So uh, th this is an administration, this is a president that, that wants to rein in every agency, the Postal Service or, as you say, the Justice Department and others, and, and make them totally dependent upon the White House. And I think that's why you saw a very political appointment uh, of the most recent Postmaster General. Uh, unlike the previous three Postmaster Generals I work with, he has no experience working at the agency. Uh, his appointment concerned elected officials and advocates alike for a whole bunch of reasons. He and his wife hold uh, over $30 million in assets of either uh, USPS contractors or their direct competitors. Uh, which he has refused to divest himself of. So, uh, and they donated two million dollars to Republican campaign committees in recent years. This is not uh, who you put in charge of what you want to be uh, an independent agency. Uh, you just want the Postal Service to work. Uh, you don't want to politicize it at all. But uh, given what the president has said, especially this morning, didn't pull any punches there. He basically said. Uh, I want to discourage people from voting. Uh, but he didn't say that in areas uh, where he has political allies. There's some obvious contradictions there. Um, I think there's an August 4th tweet where he said, whether you call it vote by mail or absentee voting in Florida, the election system is safe and secure, tried and true. Florida's voting system has been cleared up. Uh, so in Florida, I encourage all to request a ballot and vote by mail. So he wants to discourage it where it would hurt him politically and encourage it and help it in areas where he thinks it will help him. Uh, this is this is beyond just appointments of political people who, who aren't qualified for the job. This is the a direct adjustment of an independent agency to fit his needs and help him politically. You know, on one hand, he's doing this. On the other hand, he is making that tried and true argument that we recall began in 2016. It's all rigged. Uh, I, I think he's doing a number of things which, uh, in the final analysis, challenge the integrity, question the legitimacy of the election process if he loses. Uh, and if you go back far enough, this started in 2016, where President Putin's talking points and candidate Trump's talking points were basically saying the same thing. And the attack, the weaponization of our social media platforms, they were in sync basically saying the same things. I, I assume they didn't think that the candidate Trump would win, and they wanted to set up uh, a process in which the results were uh, challenged, where there was a question of legitimacy of, at that point, um, uh, the Democratic candidate. And when he won, they both had to pull back. I think he's setting it up now because he's already 
basically said, and others in, who have worked with him have said, he, he's not going to go easily. He, he's going to question the results of this election no matter what happens. And I think a lot of this is just helping him set that up, uh, preparing the framework for uh, his challenge and yet another constitutional crisis with President Trump. Yeah, it reminds me in some ways of what happened with Ukraine because it is essentially the perversion of executive power in order to try to rig an election or gain a gain uh, corrupt advantage in an election. And that's that's the way it at least appears to me from the outside. And I think people right now, a lot of our listeners are really concerned about whether or not you know the the post the postal service is going to have the funding and the resources it needs to adequately provide postal services throughout this election so what uh, will will the post postal service have the resources it needs and if not you know what what can we do about it right now it's what's necessary is you organic pressure to get the senate into to uh, session and and vote on a bill that is a supplemental bill to fund the postal service among others. It's now what almost three months ago that uh, the House Democrats passed the Heroes Act, which included twenty five billion dollars for the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, and, and earlier this year, we were concerned that the service could run out of funds by September October. We're now projecting out a little bit farther. But um, not much. It's still going to need additional funds, and the states are going to need additional funds, which, again, are in the HEROES Act to operate a safe election. Um, at this point in time, it, uh, it is a question of my bag is packed. I'm ready to go to D.C. What should have happened 12 weeks ago when we passed the HEROES Act is that Mitch McConnell should have put his bill on the floor in the Senate. And I understand it's not what we wanted. It's one trillion instead of three, uh, and a trillion of that would have been for state and local governments, and a lot of money for other things we care about, including education, providing testing, treatment, and um, uh, tracing uh, to address this this uh, pandemic. But pass your version, and then let's go to conference. Let's act like uh, a Congress should act. Let's go to conference and reach a compromise. It was it was 11 weeks later when Mitch McConnell finally starts to put a bill together, just a little over a week ago now. And he says, I'm going to write the bill in my office that passes, you know, pretty grandiose notion. <clears throat> um, and then we heard yesterday from Speaker Pelosi that when approached, she said, OK, we'll meet you halfway. Right. We started over three. You started. Let's go to let's go to two. And they said, no, we're not going up a penny. So uh, at this point in time, if you're the House Democrats, there's very, very little wiggle room. There's very little room. If there's no room for negotiations, we're not going to support a trillion dollars because it's not going to do anything that we come anywhere near what we need to do. Provide zero funding to state and local governments. It does nothing for the post office. It does nothing for election security, and it it would be a mirage. It would be um, a, a fake way to tell the American public we're actually accomplishing something. So the door is open. Uh, let's get something done. And at this point in time, 
uh, unless we get that election security and other measures, we'll probably probably have to wait until we're back in September. So as as we have said many times, most policy problems have political solutions. This is one of those. So just to make sure that I interpret this for folks, what it sounds to me like is because the House has the power of the purse. You have you know, the, ultimately the United States Congress is going to determine funding, whether there can be federal funding here. You're, essentially the point is that this larger negotiation that we've all heard about in the news over this larger piece of legislation is th- this funding for the Postal Service is wrapped up in that. And, and House Democrats are trying to hold firm to get as much funding for the Postal Service as they can as part of their negotiations with the Senate. Sure, because on their side, there's none. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> zero. Uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah. We, we've got we've got several tracks taking place at the same time. The supplemental uh, pandemic COVID uh, care packages, and and just so folks know, uh, when there's a will, there's a way. We have passed four of those, right? And clearly, the pandemic has lasted, obviously longer than the aid packages. Things like, uh, you know, PPP, business pro- small business programs have run out. They are no longer operating. Many of these other provisions involving uh, evictions, for example, have run out. The funding has run out on uh, the expanded, extended uh, unemployment benefits. So let's we should have at least passed something that was accomplished all those same things on an interim basis because if it was right to do it on a bipartisan, bicameral basis, uh, um, it would then it's right to do it now. And, and I appreciate those who stick, this is a lot of money. Why is yours so much more expensive? Uh, I guess I refer to all the former Fed chiefs who have testified to Congress and publicly, and the current Fed chief, uh, Powell, who have said, uh, you have to go big now. Uh, if you don't, you're going to pay a lot more later. And we're talking about, besides the fact that, uh, and my first concern is addressing the needs of the American people from a health point of view. This is a public health crisis creating an economic crisis. But on the other hand, we still have to address those financial issues. And, and, and until we do, uh, unfortunately, we're in a position where we're staring at the uh, we're staring across the aisle waiting for them to come back. Well, there has been a tremendous amount of concern about this issue. We've had an unbelievable number of questions from our listeners. I know Patty's got uh, some that, that uh, she has ready to ask. So I'll throw the I'll throw this over to her. One, uh, thank you so much, sir, for answering uh, so much, so many you know questions that people have, and if, you know, now that uh, Mitch McConnell has convened until late September or mid September, you know, folks are concerned that nothing's going to get done. But in regards to you know, there there were a lot of uh, questions as to how the United States Postal Service uh, has to prefund health care and pensions for employees, which I believe was the Postal Act of two thousand six. Uh, were we we were kind of heading into a vulnerable territory before Donald Trump really uh, actively decided to destabilize the post office. Is there anything we can do going forward? Obviously, now we're in a state of emergency, but you know, folks want to know if there's a possibility of repealing the Act of 2006. 
I think there's a larger reform package that does all those things. Uh, it's a mixed package that would help keep the post office, uh, postal service, uh, a viable operation into the future. Uh, it's a moving target, as you know, the the, the virus, I mean, um, the pandemic has, has changed things. Um, package volume has soared during the pandemic. First class mail and other revenue generating products um, have decreased significantly. So we've got to account for that and help financially. I do also think that the administration was in the process of sabotaging what the post office was willing to do, setting it up for failure, and that's only been enhanced under this postmaster general, uh, eliminating certain sorting facilities are just one example. So if we want it to succeed, there are legislative remedies that will do just that. And a lot of that includes, frankly, uh, how it is how we assist it uh, on an appropriations basis. And I, I think there's a will to do it. And again, this ought to be a bipartisan process because uh, it matters. It matters in my district. It's it's very important to the economy that the postal service works well. Um, but I know it matters in hardcore Republican areas or more rural areas of the country, and there ought to be an accord. Unfortunately, when we were in the minority uh, the last several terms, you know, most of the postal efforts, most of the postal reform, using the term they chose, uh, were really additional efforts to undermine the post office and uh, make it difficult for it to ever recover. So, yeah, there's real concerns out there. There are a number of measures in, in that are in the planning stages to help the Postal Service. Right now, uh, there is this short-term need, and I think the $25 billion that we already passed in the House is a good first step. Uh, we have to provide – and it's, it works together with the needs that the state and local governments are going to have. They're going to need more money to operate elections, and they're going to need more time and resources to count so many mail-in ballots that we would anticipate. You know, I hope there's a massive record-setting turnout because, as we know, what, 100 billion people stayed home in the last election? I want those 100 billion more to come out to vote uh, and plus, so they'll need resources. And it's not part of your question, but I I've got to add this. Before this all came up, Two of the last three years, I was the sponsor of funding to provide election security. Let's not forget this threat from Russia and others. Uh, and this year in the 2021 appropriations, I got over half a billion dollars in the bill. Again, I, I was the sponsor of those measures just to deal with what we were talking about a, a year ago or two years ago. Uh, the Russian assault on the democratic process included the election process, voting machines, state boards of election. It is uh, appropriate that we talk about it today because in 2016, in August, it, Illinois was the first state whose board of election was hacked by the Russians. The last time the integrity of the democratic process was challenged like this, uh, you all remember Bush Gore and hanging chads. Well, how did we respond? We cared so much about the integrity of the process. The federal government spent $3.5 billion helping local governments 
operate and buy new equipment, training, testing, equipment, et cetera. 3.5 billion. My efforts have gotten us a little over a billion. That's a third of what we did all those years ago. It's it's simply not enough. Uh, we're going to have to do that at the exact same time that we're endeavoring to protect uh, the post office and the the local election services that operate uh, this same process. You know, uh, the, a lot of folks are feeling despair, and, and I'm sure you know that. Uh, there are folks who are worried about being able to pay their rent, uh, having access to health care. They're worried about get, catching the virus. They want to know how to, you know, take care of their kids while still trying to work. Um, and the idea that their ability to participate in democracy is being threatened right now is another layer to that. So, you know, people want to know if they have some sort of control over something in their lives. Do you have any advice sure. right now for what, you know, people can do if they, you know, is it is it expanding where, you know, taking their mail-in ballot personally to a mail a, a ballot drop box? Is that, do you know what the accessibility is uh, across the country in that regards? I, I still have faith in the system as it is. Uh, I think people should uh, vote early as possible uh, just to get it out of the way. Look, we go back to the basics, and I still have faith in the system. Uh, I still believe in the 101 getting done, it's, and it's not going to be easy. But let's go back to 101. Uh, help other people do this. Uh, encourage, support, be involved in the political process. Get other people registered to vote. Recognize just how close the election was four years ago. Uh, do what you can to inspire others to participate. Uh, inspire other those who are in districts whose members are not involved in this process to get there. Um, this is not the time to give up. Obviously, this isn't the time to be cynical. It is a time, certainly, to be afraid because <clears throat> who we are as a, a country, who we are as a democracy is threatened. This is the time for all good people to to stand up and be part of that process. The other day, I told my my wife, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. Uh, don't get me wrong; there's no place I'd rather be than where I am because I I couldn't handle just watching all that is happening here, uh, from this issues that we're talking about today to so many others involving the integrity of the intelligence. Uh, community independence of the Justice Department, its reputation, uh, who we are as a country. There's so much to fight for. Now's the time to to do just that. But I look forward to Thanksgiving because I have hope that we will come together as a country and and, and do the right thing and make a change in uh, in uh, in the White House and the post-election craziness, which I'm sure we're going to watch with this administration, will be over, and uh, we'll have a lot to be grateful for, and we can focus our efforts on transition, uh, reestablishing our relationships with the rest of the world, and remind you all of ourselves that there's more that unites us than divides us, putting, re putting reforms in place that don't just protect the post office and put it on solid footing, but also... <clears throat> protect the electoral process from now on. Uh, Chairman Schiff, uh, who I serve under on the Intelligence Committee, is, is part uh, 
of what we're doing. He's put together plans for post um, impeachment reforms. Uh, it's been said that the Constitution wasn't written for this president. It, it wasn't. And there's a lot of reforms that we need to put forth to prevent what happened uh, during this impeachment investigation, the Russian investigation. Uh, a lot to do, but I have faith that we're going to accomplish this. And we have, there's not uh, options, you know, there's not a third option here. It, it is to engage, to be involved, and to get us back where we were. Before we go, I, I do want to ask you one one last question, Congressman Quigley, which is, um, is, there, is it possible that we may see the Postmaster General or other officials from the Postal Service or the administration before Congress testifying about what is happening with the Postal Service? I think a lot of our listeners want to see that. Yeah, there's numerous requests uh, to have this uh, uh, postmaster appear very quickly. I, I'm assuming that the soonest that would probably happen now is September, just because the uh, all we can hope for in August is frankly to get a call back, and uh, you know to come back and uh, vote for this COVID relief measure. So I believe that there will be. There's been uh, several requests, and, uh, I guess demands from various committees to bring back this several committees of jurisdiction. And frankly, I expect that you'll see that. And surprise, shock, you'll see uh, yet another Trump administration uh, official appear before Congress and be less than candid, be defiant, refuse to answer certain questions, and basically say that's the way it is. We just got to get through this, folks, and uh, we're going to hold it together to get through this process, get through the election, and uh, to a different administration. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Congressman Quigley. I appreciate your time and, and informing us on this uh, issue that's of great concern to all of us. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast. Go to your app and review the podcast and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic.